Well, good evening, everybody. Glad to have you back tonight. Turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter number one. Hope you had a good afternoon. I didn't get my usual nap, so um, I don't know if I can preach without having a nap, but I will try. So I usually try to get me a Sunday nap, but uh, Joshua chapter number one, glad to be back tonight again. Thankful for the opportunity. Uh, thankful for your preacher. I uh, hope you know you've got one of the finest men God's ever called as your pastor. And so I think you ought to be thankful you have a good pastor. So praying for him and his wife. Joshua chapter number one tonight. And we're going to read verses number one through verse number nine. And I want to talk tonight about fear and uh, using fear wisely. Using fear wisely. So I'll kind of explain my title as we go on. Uh, so bear with me. But uh, if you would tonight, I'd ask you to stand, if you're able, for the reading of God's Word, and we'll read it, and then we'll be started tonight. But the book of Joshua, one of my uh, favorite books, I love the book of Joshua. Uh, when I get to the book of Joshua in my uh, Bible reading plan every year, I get excited, because um, I just love the book. So Joshua 1, verse 1, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass... That the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and under the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous." that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee, turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success." Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage? Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Our Father, we thank you again for this night. I thank you for those that have come back this evening. Lord, I thank you that we're able to be in your house tonight. Lord, I love Sundays, Father, your day, when we can gather together as a church. And so, Father, I thank you for the local New Testament church, Father, that you have called to assemble together. Father, would you bless us now, I pray. We need you, Lord, in a mighty way. We're a needy, desperate people. And Father, I confess tonight as the preacher that I need you in a mighty way. Would you fill me with your spirit? I pray, Lord, that you'd help me, as always, to say, Lord, what you would have me to say. So, Lord, just use me however you see fit. I pray, Lord, that I would remove myself from the situation I surrender myself to you tonight, Lord, to be filled by your precious, sweet Holy Spirit. And may he come and have his will and his way in this place tonight. Would you 
teach us tonight from your word. Would you help us, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. <clears throat> now we are, uh, we might say, hopefully on the tail end of uh, the current coronavirus situation that we find ourselves in. I hope that's the case, but uh, I don't know with the way things are going, but uh, we would all probably say the same thing in that uh, we found ourselves earlier this year, a few months ago, in a situation that we've never, ever been in. I mean, I'll just be honest, there are things in the ministry and in uh, my time as being pastor that I've kind of just said, you know, well, I'm, I don't really know what to do, I'm not real sure. I'll tell you, a few months ago, I'll be honest, I didn't know what to do. And for the first time, I found myself really just kind of at a loss with the situation. Now, uh, we, are, we are fine and pretty well back to uh, normal services. We've not started our bus route yet. Uh, our door-to-door was paused for a while. But uh, for the most part, things are back to normal, and I'm thankful for that. But uh, uh, the current situation is... Uh, whether we like it or not, whether it's of our own doing or not, has caused us to live differently and act differently, maybe even think differently. And one of the things that I struggled with at the beginning was the fear that I saw from people. And listen, I'm not uh, uh, picking on anyone if, if you were afraid or anything like that. I, I had folks in my church that were just simply afraid um, of the virus and of all the stuff that was being mentioned and, and, and talked about in the news. And, uh, and I struggled with that because I would never say that I was afraid. Obviously, we might have changed uh, things a little differently, uh, maybe took some more precautions, so to speak. Uh, I would not say that I was ever afraid, but uh, some were, some were. And maybe we find ourselves now in the this, the, the shape that the country is in. I tell you what, I, I enjoy living in the United States of America. I love our country. Our country's not perfect, and our country could get much better, but I'll say one thing, I sure don't want it to get any worse. And it looks like that's going to be the case. I've been preparing myself, and I've been preaching some, and trying to prepare our people for the reality of a new America. I hate the words the new normal. I like normal. I don't want a new normal. But I've been trying to prepare our people for the reality that things might not go back to normal. Things might get worse. I've been preaching through First Peter on Sunday evenings and it talks about suffering. Um, suffering for righteousness and for various reasons. And so I've been trying to prepare our folks mentally and spiritually to be prepared in the event that things don't go back to normal. Everybody, well, well, I'm just waiting for it to go back to normal. I hope it does, but it might not. And so there's a possibility, whether it's a virus, whether it's the current economic situation, there's always the possibility of fear in our lives. Maybe it's of the unknown. Maybe, maybe it's of a, a, a sickness or an illness. Uh, maybe for some folks it's of death. Hopefully not if you're a Christian. You shouldn't be afraid of, of death. But the possibility of fear is always there in our life. Now we see here in the beginning of Joshua, we understand the story Moses has passed on. 
Joshua knew that his time was coming. And now that Moses is gone, Joshua is going to uh, take over, so to speak. And we see here that God is giving Joshua his charge. And he's essentially telling Joshua, the land that I have promised to Israel, you are responsible to take the land. And once you take the land, you will uh, divide the land amongst the, the tribes and the people of Israel. And so Joshua has essentially been given this task of taking the land. As I sort of mentioned this morning, I talked about chopping down trees and moving rocks and cutting weeds. There was more to it than that. There were people there. People there that had to be overcome. Towns that had to be uh, taken. And so it was quite the task that God had given Joshua. But we understand that he is beginning here to do what God had called him. And God says to him, he, he essentially tells him what he's going to do. And then he says, he gives him the promise that there will not be any man able to stand before you all the days of your life. No man will defeat Joshua. That was a promise that he had given him. And he said, just as I was with Moses. Now Joshua saw how God dealt with Moses and how God handled Moses and how God was with Moses. And just as I was with Moses, he said to Joshua, so I will be with thee as well. And I'll not fail thee nor forsake thee. And then he says in verse 6, Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And then in verse 7, again he says, Only, only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses his servant had commanded him. And he's told not to turn from it to the right hand or to the left. And then in verse 9, he reminds him again, he says, Have I not commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid. Neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Now I believe fear is like all sin. I believe it starts as a desire of the heart. And so fear in and of itself isn't necessarily sin. But to become afraid is therefore sin. To allow that fear to take root in your heart and in your life, to cause you to not trust God, to cause you to lack faith, to, to if you allow it to hinder you in your walk, then I believe it's sin. And so just like everything else knows... Numerous things we talked about this morning. I believe fear falls into the same category. It's a desire of the heart. It's a lust. We, we, become, uh, uh, we think about something. Maybe the unknown. Maybe something we don't know is going to happen. Maybe something we do know is going to happen. And we become afraid. And so it starts as a desire, but it's not to stay that way. So number one tonight, I wanna, want us to understand that the... There's a reality of fear. I say tonight, using fear wisely is the title of the message. I'll explain what I mean by that towards the end. But first off, we need to understand the reality of fear. I looked up in a concordance, and I can count pretty well. I might be off a little bit. 
but in a uh, concordance based on the King James Bible, the Word of God, the word afraid is found in our scriptures 197 times. The word fear is found 400 times. The words feared, fearest, feareth, fearful, fearfully, and fearfulness are all found 110 plus times. And so if you just look at those words associated with fear, we're at uh, nearly 700 instances in the scripture. And so it's a real thing. It is a reality. And it's a present reality. And it's something that I would say everyone deals with. Everyone deals with some sort of fear. Some of you are afraid of snakes. I'm not going to mention any names here tonight. Uh, but a certain lady that I rode to church with tonight, she is deathly afraid of snakes. I, on the other hand, am not afraid of snakes. I like snakes. I enjoy snakes. And as someone that grew up with no sisters, when I see a snake, I see an opportunity. I see an opportunity to aggravate my wife and to chase her around. And she will tell you, that if she's around and I, I see a snake, I will catch it and I will chase her with it. We had some teenagers over at our house uh, last week or the week before. Just a Friday night gathering at our pond. And uh, one of the teenage boys came running and screaming like a girl. And he said, there's a snake in the, in the kayak. Well, I just assumed it would be like a water snake. And so I went over there and I was just going to get it out. No big deal. Well, it ended up being a, a small black snake. Uh, but I reached in there, caught it, uh, lifted it out of there. In the midst of me trying to get control of it, it, it bit me. I've been bitten by snakes numerous times, more than I can count. Never poisonous ones, thankfully. Usually I know if it's poisonous. If it is, I don't mess with it. But it, but it bit me, no big deal. I got control of it, got, it, got a hold of its head. You should have seen those teenagers running through the bean field. Boys and girls screaming like a bunch of girls. My wife was with them. She was running the fastest because that's how she is. She's afraid of snakes. I am not. But there are things that I am afraid of. And there's things everybody's afraid of. Fear is a reality. Children are afraid of things. Even though they don't need to be, they are. They're just afraid of certain things as they grow up and as they grow older they realize that's not something to be afraid of but they're afraid of things it's it's a reality and no doubt God told Joshua to be of a good courage to be strong to be not afraid because it's a reality in everyone's life and it was no doubt possible for Joshua to be afraid listen regardless of how your life is and has been or what it might be, none of us have ever been told by God, listen, there's essentially, who knows, I, I should have looked it up, but I didn't. Essentially, who knows how many acres of land that you're going to go take. And there are people there and they're in the villages and they're not going to take real kindly to you going in there. You're not just going to knock on their door and say, all right, you need to get out. This is my house now. It doesn't work that way. And so we can understand the task that was given to Joshua. We're not talking about a town. We're talking about land. 
we're talking about a huge amount of real estate that he was going to go in, he was going to take at whatever cost, and then he was going to divide amongst the people of Israel. Now, I'll just be honest. I'll take my life over Joshua's. I'm not really interested. And as much as I love the book, I'm thankful it was Joshua. and not. It doesn't sound like much fun. That's the task that God had given him. And no doubt, fear was a reality. Now, when the fear is a reality, the number two, fear is also a probability. When there's a reality of fear, there's no doubt a probability of fear. Because it's a reality, it's highly probable that you're afraid of something or have been at some point in your life. Psalm 56, verse number 3, we'll come to it a, a, a little later on, but it says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. And so we see that <clears throat> we see there what time I am afraid, when I am afraid. No doubt it is going to happen. And so it's a great probability, and it was a great probability, I'm sure, when Joshua looked out at the task before him. And it's a great probability in our lives when we don't know what's going to happen. Now, some people are afraid of things that have not even happened. I've counseled with people I've dealt with. Well, I'm just afraid that this is going to happen. You can't be afraid of something that's not yet taken place. And that might not take place. But some people are afraid of, their, their minds run wild. They can't get them under control. And they're afraid of something that might not even take place. But there are those that are facing things in life that no doubt could cause them to fear. Maybe it's a sickness. Maybe it's an illness. Could be a, a, a number of things. I've been an only child for uh, quite a few years now, but I, I did have a brother. Uh, he was nine years old when he passed away. I was 12, and he had a disease that would never allow him to live very long. He was in a wheelchair, and once they diagnosed him, <clears throat> obviously this disease is muscular dystrophy. There's different stages of it, different forms of it. Some people live a long life. We have a lady in my church that was friends with my brother. She's my age, roughly 38, 39, she has muscular dystrophy. She's in a wheelchair. She's married, lives for the most part a good life. Uh, but some, for some, it just uh, it takes their life at a very young age. And so my parents were presented with the reality when my brother was just a baby that he's not going to live very long. I remember when I was uh, a boy, my brother, he spent much of his life in the hospital just he got pneumonia real bad with his uh, disease. He wasn't healthy. And I remember one time he was up at either, uh, I believe, Champaign or Springfield, Illinois. They got a couple big hospitals up there. And he was up there, and uh, he got to go home. And on our way home, we stopped way at Red Lobster. I mean, that's, that's a treat when you get to eat at Red Lobster. And so we were excited, and we were having a good time. And I'll never forget, my mom was sitting there at the table, and she was just weeping. And I'm like, what? What's... He just got out of the hospital. Uh, we're eating at Red Lobster. Well, I found out years later that they had basically just told her, take him home and get ready. Now, he ended up living a little bit longer than what they had said, but nonetheless, he was, he was nine years old. Some people are faced 
with some big things. And fear is a great probability in their lives. I have a man in my church. I have a couple men in my church. One man is beaten like four different types of cancer. Four different kinds of cancer. I have another man in my church, one, uh, a, a good friend of mine. He has been dealing with cancer for years. Uh, he's had a spot taken out of his lung. He's had a spot taken out of his arm. Uh, he had a spot on his liver for, for uh, a quite a long time that they, they would not even operate on. And it was, uh, uh, they watched it and they watched it and they watched it, expecting it to grow and it never did. And praise the Lord, now they say he's cancer free. He had a tumor on his brain that they had to remove. He's just been through so much. And before he went in for his brain tumor, it was on a Monday and he, it was over here in St. Louis and my wife was going to come over that Monday and be with him and his wife. And he said, Pastor, I want to talk to you on Sunday night. So after church we met and we had to have the good old fun uh, conversation about if I don't make it through the surgery. Talked about his funeral, this and that. He looked at my kids, he hugged them, he told them he loved them. We get over there Monday and they let me go in before and, and I'll just be honest with you. The idea of somebody cutting my skull open, removing a tumor from my brain, after they've already taken a spot out of my lung, a spot out of my arm, he's had, he had had cancer for years. That, that would just, I would have a hard time with that. I really would. But I'll be honest, we went in the uh, room the next day, the, the, that morning, the, the, is it the pre-op room or they get him ready. And I just talked to him the night before and had a very serious heart-to-heart -heart with him about the potential of him not coming home. And he was in there and he was in a good mood. And he said, hey, pastor, how you doing? And the doctors and the nurses were in there. And, and he said, I want you all to know everything's going to be fine. He said, I prayed for you all this morning. And it convicted me because I thought, if I was laying in that bed, that probably would not be my spirit. I'll just be honest. But he had overcome that fear, and I was thankful for that. But you know what? It's a great probability in our lives. When we're facing something like that, when we're facing something challenging, something dangerous, something along those lines, it is a great probability when we're living in this fallen sinful flesh. It, it, it sounds easy to just trust God. It sounds easy to just take God at His word but we live in this old, rotten, human, sinful body and it's too easy to say, yeah, but what if? Why do we do that when we have uh, our Heavenly Father on our side with the Word of God that has promised us so many things? Why is it that we say, yeah, but what if? And we allow that fear to take over. and We allow that fear to, to overcome us. Whatever the situation might be. I found myself in the past few weeks thinking about the situation of our country. I'll just be honest. I'm very, very concerned. I don't understand why things are happening. I, I do understand it, I guess. But it burdens me and it bothers me. And I've tried to be prepared. And, and I've tried to deal with the fear. The what ifs. And the Lord is working with me, and I, I'm trying to overcome it. I'm just saying, Lord, come back, hurry, please, right now. Amen. Take us home. But there's the reality of fear. There's the probability of fear. And number three, there's the disability of fear. 
the disability of fear. If you turn to 1 John chapter 4, verse number 8, uh, I won't look at all the verse now. We'll come back to it later. But there's, there's a word in this verse I want us to look at. 1 John chapter 4, verse number 18. It says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. Now, if you haven't realized it yet, the word I want you to get there was torment. Fear hath torment in it. You know what torment is, right? It's, it's aggravation, it's suffering, it's pain, it's torment. And that's what fear has, that's what it is. A definition of fear is this, a painful emotion or passion excited by an expectation of evil or the apprehension of impending danger. The realization of impending danger. That's what fear is. And so, we see here that there's torment and fear. If you'll notice, back in Joshua, Joshua had been given his responsibility. God had told Joshua, here's what you're going to do. And as we've said before, it was no small task. It was nothing to look forward to. And what I find interesting is that God, in telling Joshua what he's going to do, he never told him how many warriors he would have. He never told him how many weapons he would have. He never told him uh, uh, what kind of artillery he would have. He never told him how many horses that he might have. I'd like to say tanks and guns, and, but we know they didn't have that back then. But we don't see God anywhere saying, Joshua, don't you worry. You're going to outnumber them, outgun them, outrun them. What's to be afraid of? He never says that. He just says, Joshua, you remember when I was with Moses? He said, I'll be with you as well. This is what you're going to do. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be a tall task. But remember, I was with Moses and so I will be with thee. I'll not fail thee nor forsake thee. That's how he prepared Joshua. He said, be strong and have a good courage. That's easy to say and much easier to do. But that's what he said. You see, all that God did to prepare him was to tell him that he would not fail him nor forsake him. All God did to prepare him was to say, Joshua, you need to be of a good courage. Joshua, you need to be not afraid. You see, God's preparation of Joshua was spiritual and not physical. Listen, I'm not saying don't eat healthy and be in shape and work out all that stuff. I'm not saying that. But here's what I will say. God prepares us to overcome our fear spiritually. He tells us, remember when I was with Moses? Remember what I did for Joshua? Just like this morning we talked about bad examples, we also have good examples. Where we can look and we can see what God has done for others. And we can look at the promises of God. And when God says, be not afraid, be strong and have a good courage. We can say, that's, that's all we need. That, that is all that we need. Is for God to just reassure us. Think about it like this. A child, as I said before, they're afraid of a lot of things. I remember when I was a little boy. I thought my dad, I thought... He's the toughest man in the world. 
I grew up and I learned otherwise and I know better now. But as long as he's there, everything's okay. As long as he's there, everything's going to be all right. That's how I felt as a child. Why is it as a child of God, we don't feel that way about our Heavenly Father? I understand hard things. I understand the possibility of losing a child. I understand the possibility of a disease or an illness or a sickness that might take your life. I understand the, the reality of a, a, a major surgery or any other number of things. I understand it and I get it. But why can't we just be like a child with their father and say, as long as we have God, everything will be okay. You see, that's how he prepares us. He doesn't tell us what's going to happen. He doesn't say, don't be afraid, you're going to be fine. Don't be afraid, you're going to come through the surgery okay. Don't be afraid, uh, uh, this is going to happen. He doesn't ever tell us that, does he? He, he never lets us know what's going to take place. But he does say beforehand, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. He does say beforehand, be, be strong and have a good courage and be not afraid. Why is that? Because that's the same way he prepared Joshua. Joshua didn't need to worry about the armies and the weapons. All the armies and the weapons in the world would have been no use to Joshua if he'd have been afraid. If he would not have been of good courage, it would not have mattered what he had at his disposal. So we need to understand tonight that fear keeps us from doing and being what God wants us to do and to be. Just like so many things that we could mention that uh, uh, hinders us from walking the walk that God has before us, from being the spiritual Christian being that God wants us to be, fear is something that will keep us from doing and being what God wants. You probably know people, I know people, they're just afraid of everything. And I deal with people as a pastor and I try to counsel them. And they're just afraid of everything. Well, I'm just scared that. Well, I'm just afraid that. And you know what I can say about those types of people? They're, they're a wreck. They're a spiritual and an emotional wreck. And that's not God's will for his child's life. To be spiritually and emotionally wrecked. God's will for every child of His is to be emotionally sound and stable. To be of good courage and not afraid. And so we need to understand what fear does to us as a child of God. It disables us and keeps us from that abundant life. In verse 7, we see here, He says, Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. You know what it took in order for Joshua to succeed? It took him to be strong and courageous. It took him to overcome his fear. Again, all the armies, all the weapons, none of that stuff mattered. Because God had already said, I'm going to deliver them into your hand. No man is going to be able to stand against you all the days of your life. All you need to do is be strong and have a good courage. Don't be afraid. Don't let the, the, uh, uh, the possible fear overcome you. Just... Do what I've told you to do. And that's what he did. 
if we notice here as well, before we move on, it says, or we see that God gave him a promise, then he gave him a commandment, and then he gave the intended result. He said again, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. What do we see there? We see the promise of God. We see God telling Joshua what he was going to do. Can I just say to you tonight, I like lifting my Bible occasionally. We have the promises of God, regardless of what we're facing, regardless of what we're going through, regardless of the mountain ahead, we have the promises of God in the Word of God. And this book is sufficient for anything that we might face. This book is sufficient to allow us and help us to overcome any fears that we might have. And so first we see the promise. Second, we see the commandment. Be strong and have a good courage. And then we see the expected result. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. So the, uh, uh, the charge given to Joshua was take the land and give it to the nation of Israel. Divide it amongst them as the inheritance that I promised to their fathers. That was what he was supposed to do. Well, how was he going to do that? By being strong and of a good courage. Well, how was he going to be strong and of a good courage? Because God had promised him that no man should stand against him and that as he was with Moses, so he'll be with thee. Listen tonight, folks. You and I might not be standing on the edge of, uh, of a great nation preparing for battle, but we might be facing something that's causing us to doubt, causing us to fear. And the same promise that God gave to Joshua is the same promise that He gives to us and the same command that He gave to Joshua is the same command that He gives to us and the same charge that He gave to Joshua is the same charge that He gives to us. Uh, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law. That's the charge. God wants us as His children to do what He has called us to do, to live faithful, Christian, God-pleasing, and God-honoring lives in accordance with the Holy Scriptures. That's what He's called us to do. And the only way we're going to do that is if we're strong and have a good courage and if we're not afraid. And we have the promises in this book. And so there's the reality of fear, there's the probability of fear, and there's the disability of fear. God's commandments are always God's enablements because of the promises. If God says we can move a mountain, then I believe He can. Or we can. But we got to believe God that we can move it. We can't stand at the bottom and say, man, that's a big mountain. We're, we're done. We're cooked at that point. If He says we can move it, then we just have to trust that, that He can. So I said earlier, my title tonight was Using Fear Wisely. Again, I believe fear can lead to sin. It can lead to doubt. It can lead to not trusting God. It can lead to a lack of faith. And so how do we use fear wisely? Well, I believe when we're tempted to fear, we ought to recognize it for what it is. And so maybe tonight in your life there's something that you're afraid of. Maybe tonight in your life there's something that you are facing in the future. Maybe you'd be honest tonight and you'd just say, well, preacher, I'm not really facing anything. 
but I am afraid of what I might be facing. Maybe you're thinking and worrying about something that has not even taken place yet. I don't know what it is, but if there's that something that's keeping you from the abundant Christian life that God has for you, then you need to recognize it for what it is. How do you really feel about those things in your life that are bigger than anything you could ever imagine? Do you trust God with those things or are they crippling? Do they feel like the, the whole world's on your shoulders or have you given them to the Lord? If you are afraid tonight, you need to recognize it for what it is. Number two, you need to confess it. Just like anything, we need to tell God. When we are afraid, we need to tell our Heavenly Father. We must confess it to Him. We must turn loose of it. We cannot allow that fear in our life to grow. We cannot allow the fear that our heart wants, that fear that we're faced with, to take root in our lives. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. We see a precious promise here. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7. The Bible says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. We can tell God, and we can turn loose of it, and we can trust that he knows what he is doing. I've told this story before and I'm almost ashamed to tell it. But when I was younger, I was still living at home, I believe, and I had a dog. And you know what? I loved my dog. His name, her name was Rosie and she was a beagle, that doesn't matter. But uh, I think we actually had her when we first got married. She ended up getting eaten by coyotes. Isn't that something? But uh, anyways, I, I, I love my dog and I remember... Uh, my dog got pregnant and she was having trouble having puppies and uh, we took her to the vet and she almost died and l long story short, I, I was scared I was going to lose my dog. I mean, you know, I was just a grown man, so I was afraid, <laughs> I'll just be honest, I was grown up, but, but I was afraid I was going to lose my dog. And I remember, I remember praying and asking God to help to, to not let her die. And I remember thinking, man, that's silly to pray for a dog. I remember thinking, God's probably got bigger things to worry about than, than a silly dog. And, and I got real convicted because I bothered God with a dog. Can I just say to you tonight, if it bothers you, it's not going to bother God if you give it to him. He wants to take it from you. And if you're afraid of something, God's going to be okay if you say, Lord, I need you to take this from me. That's what he wants. That's what he wants from his children. He wants his children to be just like I was with my dad when I was a kid. I, I thought everything was going to be okay so long as he was there. That's how God wants us to be with him. And occasionally we might see something in the future or maybe we're confronted with something. Man, it looks big and it looks hard and scary and painful and that... That temptation to be afraid wells up within us. It's okay to say, God, I'm, I'm scared. And to give it to him. That's what he wants. And so we need to confess it. And we need to cast that care upon him. Another way we use our fear wisely is by taking advantage of it. Psalm 56, verse number 3. I said we'd be there later. Let's go ahead and turn there. Psalm 56, verse number 3 tonight. I think I quoted it earlier. I don't remember. We'll go ahead and read it. Psalm 56, verse 3. What time I am afraid, 
I will trust in thee. You might say, well, well preacher, how, how do we use fear wisely? And I say to you tonight by taking advantage of it. And you might say, well, how do we take advantage of our fear? First off, by trusting him. Let's use that as an opportunity to trust God. When we know that there's something in our life that we're facing and there's the potential for us to be afraid or scared, let's just say, what time I'm afraid right now, I'll trust in God. And trust Him and believe Him that He knows what He's doing, that He'll help us. Another way we can take advantage of it is by drawing nigh. We looked at James chapter 4 verse 7 this morning. Let's look at James Chapter 4, verse 8 tonight. Let's just read the next verse. But James chapter 4, verse number 8 says, Draw nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse ye hands, your sinners. Ye sinners, purify your hearts, ye double-minded. But we see the promise there of drawing nigh to God, and He'll draw nigh to you. What a privilege that that is, that our Heavenly Father will draw near to us if we draw near to Him. So you know what? If you're afraid, you know what you ought to do? You ought to trust Him. And you ought to use that as an opportunity to draw near to Him. Because He'll draw near to you. Another way we take advantage of it is by seeking His grace. We read Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16 this morning. Uh, about uh, coming boldly to the throne room of grace. Let's turn there quickly. And we'll look at it once more. But it says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. This is what God will give us when we need it. Grace, His undeserved favor, that He'll shower upon us if we just simply seek it. You know what God doesn't mind you doing? Asking for some grace. He doesn't mind you asking for help. That's what He wants. So we take advantage of it by trusting Him, by drawing nigh, by seeking His grace. Number four, by marveling in his love. Go back to 1 John chapter number four. We read earlier, 1 John chapter number four, verse number 18. If we start in verse 16, it says, And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. Because fear hath torment, he that feareth is not made perfect in love. And so this tells us that the love of God can cast out our fear. So here's what we ought to do when we're afraid, is we ought to marvel at the love that God has for us. We ought to look and we ought to say... I cannot believe what God has done for me through Christ. I hope we understand tonight how much He loves us. I hope we understand tonight what it means that He sent His only Son to die on the cross in our place. I'm not sacrificing any of my children for anyone. They're my children. But God sacrificed His only Son for us. And that shows His love. And the Bible says that He is love. And so you know what we ought to do when we're afraid? We ought to just think about His love and how much He loves us. And, and, and that will cause us to say, man, if He would die for a rotten, wicked, evil uh, 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 sinner like myself, one that rebelled, one that shook his fist at God, 
if he would die on the cross for someone like me, if he would save someone like me, I'll bet you now that I'm saved, he'll help me. And so we, we find help by marveling in his love. Another way we take advantage of our fear is by remembering the promises. You know what's good to do occasionally? Remember the promises of God. As I said this morning, God's not going to be bothered by you reminding him. God, by the way, in your, in your word, give him a chapter and verse if you'd like. He already knows it, but go ahead. Remember, God, you said, I'd like, to, I'd like to apply that right now. God has no problem with that. And so we take advantage of our fear. We use it wisely by remembering the promises. Why do we need to remember the promises? Because that will help overcome the fear. Back to Joshua chapter 10. In verse number 8 it says, uh, uh, This book of the law shall not depart. There, I'm sorry. I want to read Joshua 10 verse number 8. Joshua chapter 10 verse number 8. Let's move up a few chapters. Joshua 10 uh, verse number 8. It says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, Fear them not. For I have delivered them into thine hand. There shall not a man of them stand before me. Now, for the sake of time, I didn't read the previous nine verses, but, uh, or seven verses. But what's going on here is uh, the king of Jerusalem had heard how Joshua had taken Ai and how he destroyed it. Uh, uh, you can read about it there in verse 1. And Joshua had made peace with the inhabitants of Gibeon. And so the uh, king of Jerusalem was afraid. Verse 2 says they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city. They just couldn't believe how Joshua could take down Ai and then make peace with Gibeon. And so they became afraid. And so what he did is he made a pact with four other kings. And so five kings total. And they said, here's what we're going to do. We're all going to get together. We're going to go make war with Gibeon. And so that's what they did. And the men of Gibeon uh, uh, got on the phone. They called Joshua and they said, hey, we need some help. And so Joshua uh, uh, brought the people of war with him. The Bible says there in verse number 7. And as they were going to the battle, we come to verse number 8. And the Lord said unto Joshua, fear them not, for I have delivered them into thy hand. Why didn't God remind him of the promises? Maybe because Joshua knew. And so we can remember the promises, and we can be strong and have a good courage. Joshua knew the promises. He just needed the commandment. He just needed the encouragement. You and I tonight know the promises. We know what God has said in his word that he'll do. Why do we need to be afraid? Why do we need to fear? The last thing tonight, and we'll be done. Another way we can take advantage of our fear is by using it to help others. We're in Joshua 10. Let's stay there. Let's go to Joshua chapter number 25. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and have a good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom ye fight. In the beginning of Joshua, the book of Joshua, God prepared Joshua spiritually for the task that was at hand. Here in verse number 8 of chapter number 10... God again commanded him before this battle, Joshua, fear them not, for I've delivered them into your hand. There shall not a man of them stand before thee. We, if you know the story, uh, they defeat them. 
the five kings run away like a bunch of cowards and they hide in a cave. And word gets back to Joshua, hey, we found the kings. They're hiding over here in a cave. Joshua sends men to get them. They bring them back. And what it says here in verse 24, that they brought out those kings to Joshua. Joshua calls for the men of Israel, the captains of the men of war, which went with him. And he says, everybody come here. And those kings laid on the ground and they put their feet on the necks of those kings. I can just see the picture. And as Joshua and four other men are standing there with the feet upon the necks of those captured, defeated kings, Joshua says to Israel, fear not, nor be dismayed. He says, what God has done here and what God has done before, God will do to all your enemies against whom you fight. And so I conclude with this tonight. We can take advantage of our fear by learning to overcome it and therefore allowing us to help others. We run across all kinds of people in life that are afraid. I run across all kinds of people in the ministry that are afraid. Some things I could say, yeah, I can see that. Some things I want to say, you're afraid of that, really? But they are. But you know what? We can help them by learning to overcome fear ourselves. I'll stop here tonight. Let's have a time of invitation. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our time. We thank you for allowing us in church tonight. I thank you for the opportunity to get in a pulpit and preach. I thank you for Pastor Smith, Lord, allowing me this opportunity. And Lord, I just pray now that you'd help us to think about these things. Lord, I don't know the folks here. I don't know their life. I don't know their situations. I don't know the thoughts and intents of their heart. I don't know what they're dealing with or going through. But Lord, I understand the reality of fear. And therefore, I know the probability of fear. And Lord, I pray you'd help us all understand the disability of fear. Lord, it will eat our lunch. And so, Father, if there's those here tonight that are afraid, maybe they're facing something, Lord, in their life that looks painful, that, that they know will not be any fun, Lord, I pray that you'd help them. Maybe there are those here tonight that are afraid, maybe not of even something that's yet taken place, but could possibly, potentially, be in the future. Lord, again, I don't know the hearts tonight. I don't know the folks. But, Lord, if there's those that are afraid, I pray that you'd help them. And, Lord, that we'd use our fear wisely. Again, it's a natural reaction. It's a natural thing in our life. But, Father, we should not allow it to overcome us or to overtake us. So, Lord, lead us now, I pray, during this invitation. If anyone needs to come, I pray that they would. If there be someone here tonight that's not saved, I pray that tonight would be the night they take care of it. Lord, bless us now. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.